1993, Final Approach changed the way we hunt waterfowl. Now, over 25 years later, we're back at it. My name's Mario, host of the FA Podcast. Let's talk waterfowl tips, tricks, tactics, and more. It's all going down right here with the Final Approach Podcast. Final Approach Podcast, web episode, web something, video, audio, I don't know what it is, but it's there's a lot going on. Um, I have uh, three of the four of the Final Approach carvers like in the same room at the same time. I have like the uh, um, my if I had my evil laugh, I would say like my my world domination team together, like the dream <laughs> the dream team of '92 of uh, you know Jordan and. Barkley and David Robinson and Magic and Unbird and all those guys. So yeah, I have the have the dream team of carving together. And when we're on the road, we're having lots of fun. So I, I got everybody, and we'll go through. Uh, Jamie Welsh, who is 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 one of our carvers, and we missed him on this trip. He did not come. Uh, Jamie's out of South Carolina. He's a three time world champion, and just a good egg. And uh, we'll have to bust him really hard on the next trip when he. <laughs> comes and, and gets to go with us but uh but we got wayne Sim- wayne simkin from uh canada and wayne is a two-time world champion and then there's pat godden in the middle uh wearing a different shirt uh 17-time <laughs> world champion uh and in uh flank to his right in another plaid shirt with his uh attire on is tom christie who is a six-time world decoy carving champion and i did fix the website so now it does say six we missed one on. Oh, thank you we gave you four we <laughs> cheated you out of two you know i worked hard for those hey i we we well we were judging <laughs> so we didn't think you got those other two so we dumped it down to four so that's how it works here at final approach we're gonna we're gonna nail you on a couple there was a couple things that were off on those two carvings so we deducted we deducted the truth comes out. That's right. That's right. See what it is? It's a master plan. Um, so uh, let's start. Uh, let's start with Wayne. Uh, or, you know, let's start with Tom. You're right here. So we'll go that way. Um, as far as getting into carving, you know, we always talk about things in the waterfowl world are kind of taking off and going. You know, I think, I, th- I think like the dog part of waterfowling has gone crazy. Like, I don't know about crazy, but it's, it's evolved. Like, um, there's more trainers, there's more video, there's more, there's more of everything. There's more people training their own dogs or paying more attention to it and, and calling and like other aspects of the tradition of waterfowling. And I think that the, the carving is not catching up as quick. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I want to catch it up, and that's why we're talking with all the guys, and maybe inspire some some young people to get involved and, and do this. So, uh, what got you started, and how did you get started? Because it's, you know, we've talked all, you know, enough of us have talked all the time, and it's like a light switch goes off, and it's like this is it. This is what I want to do. This is what, like, what what started it, what did it, what clicked the switch. Yeah, what what got me started on decoys. First, what got me started on waterfowl okay. was hunting with my dad, and uh, we would jump shoot ducks on the Tippecanoe River in northern Indiana. It was a float trip that he had taken with his dad, so it's kind of a oh, tradition cool. 
that was passed along and uh I didn't shoot the first few times we went, but the first time I, I got the gun and it was my turn to be in the front of the boat and dad was rowing us down, you know, and you go around these bends and you, you hope you come up on some ducks. Right. And, uh, I heard this hen hail call, mallard hail call down the river and, you know, it kind of echoes down the river. Oh yeah. And that, uh, you know, that, that hail call <laughs> is kind of the the point where I said I love waterfowl. This is awesome, and I want to be a part of waterfowl. And we, you know, we had quite a few years together hunting, and that that really fueled my fire for waterfowl in right. general. And then carving wise, I didn't start carving until 1986. I had gone through school. I had a engineering job, a manufacturing engineering job with. Whirlpool Corporation. I got uh, interested in, I was hunting with my own plastic decoys, but um, I couldn't get the golden eye to come into my bluebill decoys. They're pretty particular in the Portage River in, in northern Ohio where I was hunting. Right. And so I, I decided I'm, I, I kind of had a background in art and I liked woodworking and I loved waterfowl, and it combined right. some things that I really loved. So I got a book out of the library and tried my hand at at decoy carving. And I was working for Whirlpool at the time, and, and I was in a supervisory position, so I kind of borrowed the bandsaw on the night hey. shift, you know. And that That's how I got started because oh I didn't God. have my own equipment. But I made those three decoys, and... Uh, the first time I put them out, those golden eyes wheeled into the decoys, and and, and that that was like a bing, switch. and I was I was done for because I just loved that whole process and, and waterfowl. Well, then everything came together then too, though. You know, you like you like you said, you know, you liked art and woodworking, and of course, you know, waterfowling, and then all of a sudden that all comes together, and you're like, that's pretty, you know, that's pretty cool. It combines a lot of things that I love right. and uh, enjoy doing. And then I, after I did my own decoys, I, I looked around for who's doing this and how could I get uh, together with some other people that enjoy doing sure. it. And I joined a Mombi Bay Carvers Club in northern uh, Ohio. And they're still operating now. It's a great club. And those people got me um, hooked on competitive carving. So they, they took me to a, one of the guys took me to a show and uh, I I tried my hand and I didn't win that first time I didn't even place the first time I threw a black duck in there and right. I thought I was gonna kill it and uh, <laughs> it it didn't come didn't close it. but it didn't discourage me enough to make me quit and so I just learned from the club members and then once I started going to competitive carving I I ran into guys like these, Pat these and Wayne, these year. hoodlums, and uh, <laughs> they, you know, Pat in particular was 10 years ahead of me and, and really doing winning world championships right. and, and uh, learned a lot from just going, competing, and losing, and going back and trying harder the next well, and time. And seeing everybody's work and seeing what yeah, they're doing. Yeah, and, getting and, ideas right. and... and uh, so that's how I got involved in waterfowl carving, and I've been doing it for 35 years now. Pretty awesome. When you, how old were you when you carved your 
Golden Eyes. How old were you? Oh, now you're asking me to do math. I don't. I, I, I was know, take it was a stab. Eighty six. So okay. I was in my what? Thirties. So, so so way later yeah, in life, right? Really later uh, in yeah. life. Yeah. And you know, we talked about getting youth involved, and I, I I agree with that. We need to do that. But there's also a huge body of middle-aged people, well, sure, and older people and I, that I think could really appreciate this this hobby. And listen, it you know the carving goes goes way into everything. Like if you like like the carving club that I I was in, uh, God, I'm even too busy to even go do that anymore, which you know sucks but i'll get back doing that but um you know there was a lady in there who did songbirds and i'll tell you what i loved going by her station and seeing her songbirds because she had killer killer songbirds Mm -hmm. and you know I, i don't know at that point at that point i'm just looking at it like you know an art form and how artistic she is and how small those you know those birds are and then she once she gets done burning you know and then all of a sudden she's going to start painting and i'm like look at how little this is and she's got all this detail and i'm like you know that interests me too like Mm -hmm. doing those i don't know if i could do it you know because we're talking intricate very you know oh my god little little stuff Mm -hmm. but it looks so cool i don't know i would i would i would like to do that maybe down the road and, and get into that i i think that would be a cool some cool pieces to do um so so we go to pat godden so pat's 17 time world champion out of canada and and i know you know we've talked before and and we did we did i think we did a podcast a couple years ago or whatever we talked and and it was fishing lures that got you you know into it yeah into carving that's exactly right they uh i think the first thing i remember carving were fishing lures i hit i was a kind of a fishing fanatic when i was a kid and i was it was these. it bass or walleye or pike or what oh, was? It didn't matter to me. <laughs> right, but lure <laughs> wise, what were you, whatever you were just like? I'm gonna I'm gonna make yep. a catch all. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I remember catching everything from bass and pike and everything when I was a kid. Um, I had these little balsa wood repel lures, and uh, I, I thought, well, I can make these, and so I get a little piece of wood and. Carved it out, put the hooks on it, uh, formed the lip for it, and uh, went down to the river and I caught fish on them. Did you paint them then yourself too? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I got I got some some chrome paint, oh, and then I put and then I put a varnish on them to protect them a little bit. And uh, I, I still have a couple of those lures in my really? own uh, my own collection from oh my God. from nineteen well even oh, sixty five or something. Did you ever sell any of them? Oh, no, no, no. I was... Those were just... Yeah, I gave some away, but no, it was... uh, My objective wasn't to make money. Well, sure, sure. Yeah, it was just to uh, do something really cool. I'm saying now, like, you you know, like, I'm sure if somebody knew you had some of your first fishing lures, I'm sure somebody would go, oh, I want to buy that. That It probably would be collectible to somebody. so cool. (laughs) You sure? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, but they, they'll be they'll they'll stay in my family. I'm sure. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, uh, around 1968, I found a book in the library on how to carve duck decoys. I got that out of the library, and um, that's when I carved my first duck decoy. What was the What was the book? Do you remember? It was um, 
author was Eugene Kahn, and it was uh, how to carve decoys, how to rig decoys, mm-hmm. and how to paint decoys, something like that. Wow. Yeah, and it's, it's um, I think it was published in 1953, the year I was born. Was there different species in there, how to carve, or what did they have in yeah. there? Like, what did you, like... Well, it was based on hunting decoys, so yeah, they had and they had patterns in there. Oh my God! And I found a, I found the pat a pattern that I wanted, and the the interesting thing was, of course, I didn't pick the standard decoy. I picked a a, a turn back head preening decoy. Sure, of course you <laughs> the did. Very first one of I made. You did. Why would you pick something easy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, again, I still have that decoy at home. Wow. Then I started hearing um, about these competitions for decoys, this was a little bit later, like the early 70s, starting to go to the uh, Canadian National Decoy Contest in Toronto, which almost all the top carvers would come up there uh, from Canada, the United States. That was a huge show. Oh, it was. One of the big shows at the time. Right. Yeah, we had several of them, uh, including the U.S. National, the World Championship, the International Decoy Contest in Iowa. There was a number of them. Yeah. yeah, so that I went, I went just to look at these decoys, and I, I went for a couple of years, and it was just, I, I was just amazed that somebody could actually make these, and I, I knew lots about the birds. I was passionate about it because I was hunting ducks by that time, and I thought, wow, I, I can make these ducks, and uh, so '73 I made my first one, and. Um, then I, I competed as a novice. I don't think I ever competed as a, well, yeah, I did compete as an amateur in 74 at the World. Won a best of show that year. 75, started competing as a professional. And 76, won my first world title. What's the levels? Are the levels the same? You start as a novice? Or amateur, or what's first? Like, well, how are the levels of carving? Well, they they do have some youth classes, but beyond sure. that, there's most competitions have novice. Right. Um, they don't call it amateur anymore. It's usually intermediate. Intermediate, okay. And then they'll have an open category. Right. You know, the world has a master level. Right. As well, and then world level. Right. So you've you know each one gets more competitive as right. you go up. Do you have to, let's say, achieve each? one to move up oh no absolutely not. Or you could just enter yep. if, if i want to enter worlds i can just enter yep yeah yeah you don't Even have to qualify to you. enter world level whoa uh, you could be a you could be a novice and enter world level but you know you, you'd have to be <laughs> you'd have to be confident that you're good at it. oh you better set yourself up yeah. for a little <laughs> yeah yeah so <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's up to you you know where you want to compete right okay. if you're you're confident that you're doing High quality work. You can set yourself wherever wherever you want. Okay. Um, there's only one category at the world, the master level. You have to qualify to get into that one. I gotcha. But other than that, um, and uh, then um, I spent six years at university, uh, four years on a master science degree in fisheries and wildlife biology, and then uh, two more years after that uh, studying um, mallards. Uh, doing research for my master's degree and uh, my I did an ecological study on mallards and graduated in 1979 and when I graduated I started carving birds for a living right. 
So, uh, so in that time at university, are you still carving? And or do you have time? And are you yeah. entering? Are you winning still? Well, in 1976, I was. You a, won your first. Yeah, and I was a year away from finishing my right. bachelor's degree. Right. So I won a world championship while I was at, at college, school. Right. And <laughs> of course, uh, by winning the world championship, I caught the attention of some a lot of collectors. So I was developing a good market for my work. I got you. So when I graduated in 79, I thought, well, I can, let's give this a try. Right. See if I can make a living at it. And I'm still doing it after, uh, after all these years. That's pretty, and, and that's I, wild. And I, I've often said this, you know, it's a job for me because I make a living at it. Right. But it's not a job I'll ever retire from. Right. You know, I physically something might happen. I might not be able to do it, but I don't plan to retire. Right. You just so you're like you're like two Tom Brady's of carving together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just won't go away. Yeah. 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 yeah we we, were, we were hoping he would retire. What are we retire? gonna do, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> what are we gonna do? Put something in his lemonade. Heck, on it. How are we gonna take him out? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're the closest to him. <laughs> Figure out something over the border. Oh, I thought when he said he, when he said he something caught his eye, I didn't think he was going to talk about that. I thought he was going to talk about his wife. Well, no. I, that's exactly <laughs> what I thought about. He was like, "Well, I caught the eye that of the ladies, too. right? I caught the eye of the ladies, and they were all on me because I was winning championships." That's what I was thinking. I was like, "Oh, here goes Pat and groupies." Wow, he's well, got. <laughs> well, that that probably happened too. Oh. <laughs> So let me let me ask you this, which is totally totally just came to me. I'm like, so what do you what do you win when you win? Like your first championship, what do you win? Do you win some money? Like you win a ribbon and you win obviously the accolades and you're world champion. But what what do you get? Well, I think the most significant thing is you you've you've gained a, a lot of recognition in the long term that's what the value that's is. where the money right that's but where you, you earn there is in the world championship um well at the time it was there were purchase awards so sure the winning piece whatever right. it was in what category was purchased and you got a set amount of money that was you knew what you were going to get if you won so you know i i won some money from that uh you know it was if I remember, it was like eighteen hundred dollars for right, a pair of decorative back, birds, right. and right. at the time I thought well, that's crazy that somebody would, would pay me that much for a duck. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're thinking this is this could yeah. be pretty good. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah, 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 if yeah. I could crank so, some of these out. Yeah, 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 yeah. and uh, I think the most I won was I think it was eighteen thousand dollars for Holy the uh, winner in the decorative uh, life size world level. 1982. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, yeah, in 82, that was sure. a decent amount. That's a lot of money. Serious money, yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's big time right there. That's a, that's a, that's some mailbox I I, money, buddy. I went home, I bought a new car. I was, <laughs> it was just going to truck. I, I was just going to say, yeah. like, you could probably almost <laughs> just about buy a vehicle. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's easy. That's awesome. Easy. I yeah. mean, not today, but back yeah, then, today, like you said, yeah. 82. Yeah. Oh my God, that's yeah. bananas! Well, and we always talk about your your uh, your masters in mallards, you know, because any any time we shoot a bird, like like if you go and watch the the web series and and Pat's on it, um, and, and we talk about um, 
mallards if we if we see something or we're talking about a hybrid or something you know pat's right there because of the the biology degree and just the knowledge of the mallards and and you you seriously do have a master's in studying mallards that's that's right right yeah and i I, i've never met anybody that physically has done that exactly yeah well if you're in the scientific community you'd probably know a few people but um and I, the, the one thing that that uh, that all those that scientific study I did f- for my degrees, right. it's um, it's it's in, m- made me uh, adamant to ensure that everything I do is biologically correct. So I study the birds, right. uh, I study the anatomy. Sometimes I study the environment where the bird is. So it's important to me that everything I do has a sound scientific basis behind it. Um, and uh, it, it, that, that involves a lot of research. Oh, and, yeah. And that's uh, often, I think, that's, that's the really interesting, fun part of the whole thing when I'm creating something. Studying the bird, the background, yeah. the, like you said, the, yeah. everything about it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, the other thing that's interesting too, like I say, you take for example, pintails. I've made a lot of pintails. Sure. I've made a lot of really nice pintails. But if I was going to do a pintail today, I'd go back and study the live bird again. I'm not going to rely on everything that I because I every time I do that, I'll I'll see something a little different. I get a new new refreshed uh, sure. v- perspective on it. Yeah, you get a new eye. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, it's I don't just assume everything I have in my mind is is all the information that's necessary. I just go back and restudy it. Well, and it might be you know you might you might be looking at you might be looking at a a, a pintail you want to do in a certain position and you know there's a couple feathers you know going a different way and you might want to go you know you you don't know like you said your eye's going to catch something that's going to be different and you yeah. you go for it. That's right. Yeah. I mean that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um so then we get to Wayne so uh, so I mean what gets you you know what flips the switch like everybody has it, you know what I mean? I had it when I was a kid, wet dog, you know, ducks flying, you know, my dad shooting, taking me to the reservoir like Everybody's got their switch. Like I knew right there, like this was it. This was for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd say just to answer your question, they're all of the above. I mean, my father was a biologist with uh, the MNR Ministry of Natural Resources, keen waterfowler, bird watcher, yep. outdoorsman. So I just kind of followed along, and that like I used to set out decoys in the ditch in the front of the house, you know, with the duck call and. I'm sure I drove the neighbors crazy. <laughs> but then we had uh, the Darlington Duck Hunters Tournament, which was it was run by the MNR, and it was like a, an event where uh, hunters, team hunters would uh, go in five different competitions, and, and most points would win it. And I think it was about 12 or 13 at the time, and my dad was involved in it. And they had a head whittling contest, so we'd all sit down and do that. And I got third place. I think, well, this is all right. And uh, you, what he, what head? Would you was it just a mallard or what did you guys it do? Was, it was a duck head. Just any duck. Just generic duck. Generic. Generic. This was probably a mallard, but this could fit on any decoy. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, I started carving my own decoys. My dad figured that it'd be kind of a fun father son thing to oh yeah to do, and 
as, as he put it, he said, then I got carried away and started putting detail on it. And he's, <laughs> you know, and it's the, the first, you know, I found out about the Toronto Sportsman Show, the same as, as Pat, and uh, put, I think, five or six birds I had to put in there. Right. And they all won ribbons. And, so, I, wow, and then how old, cool. how old are you then when you're doing that? I think I was about 12, 13 maybe. And uh, I just kind of kept on going and then going out with my dad duck hunting. I couldn't hunt at the time, but just going out and having the bird, fresh birds in my hand. And, you know, I had the honor of, of plucking all the birds. <laughs> so That's a big honor. Yeah, at the time it was. <laughs> but just having those birds in my hand and, and studying them and, and, with you know, watching the birds going into the decoys. And it was just... It it's just a fired up the juices. Right, it's yeah. just a fascination, and yeah. it just goes And then the first time I could go waterfowl hunting and actually pull the trigger, I had a, an 870-20 gauge that I bought from a couple of birds that I'd sold, I, with shooting with uh, shells that I'd reloaded over decoys that I'd, I'd carved, and that was it. I mean, I was hooked. I mean, that's everything all in a nutshell in one one hunt, like doing everything, everything yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if that doesn't get you get you going, what well, what does? Yeah, and then you know? just like at, at that show, actually, I think I met Pat at the time and, and some other Ontario carvers, and sort of my mentor up to that point was was Al Glassford, who was a very well respected carver at the time, and he kind of took me under his wing and would help me out with some patterns and how to how to do this and that. Well, and I think you know, I think on the carving side, something like that. I mean, you could. You know, uh, surely you could sit somewhere in your own garage or shop and and do stuff. But I think having having somebody or a group to bounce things off of or show them or have them show you something, I know it's benefited me. Yeah, I don't know if it's benefited you guys. I mean, at some point it, it would have to. Mm, like yeah. a mentor would yeah. would have have to play a role, you know, in learning and and anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the goal. I mean. It, going to the sportsman show you'd see like you know i think we're all would agree with this that when we show up to the show that we want to win right and at, it doesn't matter what level you're at and to go there and then all of a sudden you walk in it's like damn it you know and you see something that you know is is going to beat you and <laughs> Pat. yeah and, and it's like <laughs> yeah. ne- next year damn it, man. so you just kind of yeah <laughs> Yeah. This kind of pushes it. I tend to be a very competitive well, sure. person, it's, and it's the yeah. redhead coming out on me. But, oh, the fire. Uh, <laughs> but it's it just kept on pushing sure. and pushing and pushing. And, you know, it's I've had some interrupt. Like, just I went to college and then jobs and that type of thing kind sure. of slowed down the progress in carving. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I've had some, some pretty cool jobs in the early part of my career. My yeah. wife said I had my retirement at the beginning of my career with <laughs> doing, oh. doing some guiding and... Oh, is that how you play that? I didn't. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah, well, that's what yeah. she says. Oh yeah, you you were retired. <laughs> now yeah. it's back to work. Yeah, that's like yeah. reverse. <laughs> that's yeah. an interesting look. You know, I did some a uh, lot of waterfowl banding. So again, getting my hands on sure. birds, and uh, no, just learning learning the biology of them. What makes a a green wing teal a green wing teal? Yeah, and, I mean it's all that. It's it, you know it's everything about it. You know, like you say, we 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 all do it for the birds, the respect for the birds, the uh, just the the passion and and the love that we have for the birds when you know like you know when we we're on this trip and we go hunting and you know all of a sudden we shoot a widget and everybody like everybody's at the same 
oh, look at that one coming back. And every, like, you know, everybody can't wait to get their hands on it, you know what I mean, to really take a look at it. And then we, we shoot a gadwall and we're all geeked out and everybody's like, oh, look at this, look at that. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, that's the <laughs> thing that, that ties us all together, no matter uh, no matter what, you know, where you're from or, or how you grew up or your, any, anything about you, that is a trigger that we all have. I mean, we, we just came back from a few trips, uh, you know, to Europe. I spent time in Finland with our distributor there and then Sweden and Iceland and, and literally it does not matter where you're from. We are all nuts about waterfowl hunting and all those guys that I spent time with over there are, could sit here and have the same conversation with you. You know what I mean? Not, you know, even if they didn't even speak the language, like you just know, <laughs> right? You know, okay. and it's just like I, I remember we're in Iceland, sitting in a ditch. Gray leg geese are coming right down the ditch, and they they get right in front of us, and they pull up, and I I didn't have a shot, so I just looked, and they kind of flared this way, and a couple guys shot, and one falls, two falls, and then the third one gets away. And the one, the two guys on the end are just like yelling something in Icelandic, right? And I'm just like, I was like, I know what that means. That means we missed and we're mad, right? Like, I mean, like, you know, I don't have to speak the language. Like, that one got out, right? So you got birds to come into your ditch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You already <laughs> forgot the two that dropped. Oh. It's that one. Oh, yeah, that one got yeah, away. And they were, they were, whatever they said, I already knew it. I didn't. I didn't need to speak the language to know exactly what they meant. That's what I'm saying. That 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 bond ties us all together, no matter what. And you can do the same no matter where you go. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. It's that passion, that fire, that something to drive you nuts, keep you up at night, get you up in the morning. One more pitch for decoy carving uh, is that you have something when you're done investing your time which I really like about what we do. You you know, you can play a game of golf, and I love golf, but what do you have to show for it after you're done? If you invest your time in carving a decoy, I've right. got something that I can trade with other carvers. Sure. I, yeah. I enjoy collecting other carvers' work and admiring right. that, and I've got something I can pass along to my kids whether they want it or not. <laughs> They're going to get a few decoys. But yeah. I, that's an aspect of decoy and, and wildfowl carving that I, I really enjoy. Yeah, too. no, that's, I think, like I do uh, uh, sales on the road and that type of thing. And some right. days, you know, you feel like you're out and spinning your tires and, and not really accomplishing anything. Right. And then I'll come home, sit out in the workshop for a couple hours, work on a bird, and I can put it down on the table. There's what I did. Right. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. something very tangible. That well, and, and, you know, you guys all started, you know, too, with a library book and then, and then, and then, you know, you just going, I went to the show and saw this and I wanted to do this and with my dad and, you know, now, nowadays the, the reference material and the ease of how to learn how to carve is so much easier and the information and, and, Mm-hmm. And everything is so readily available. It is, it it'll blow your mind. And you you just got done doing a book, and now you're doing some online stuff. And Pat's working on a book. Um, so there's constant, you know, there's constant stuff to make it so much easier. Like back, like Pat's a dog guy. So back in the day, there's there's the Walters book to train your dog, right? 
Yeah. You read it too. We all read it, right? Yeah. That was it, right? Did yeah. you, could you find anything else? Like now you type in, you know, uh, how to teach my dog how to sit and 5,000 videos yeah. pop up, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, all this, everything has changed. Like back then there wasn't that. And now you would think that you could get into carving a little easier because there's, and I don't mean like people who don't know what they're talking about. There are those on, you know, on YouTube or whatever. But I'm talking about like you guys world championship level teaching people how to do that like th that's crazy like that's as easy as it gets yeah but and you can't and always get together in a carving club well sure and the the internet gives us a worldwide access yes to just people that have the desire at least the resources are there to, to help uh, to give back yeah, to, to step right, through it right, what equipment yeah. do i need what kind of wood where that's do i right. get started what kind that's of right. paints yeah. Well, I, I know I've helped a few people with online stuff, and they just, you know, they'll send me a picture and say, what do you think? And it's just instantaneous. Sure. Yeah. Whereas when we all started started off, you'd have to send a letter, and you get a response back in two and a half weeks. You know. And well, and then what are you going to do? Yeah. Send a picture? Yeah. You know, or I ask my wife, Carmen, what do you think? <laughs> She's seen enough birds, She's right? She's my She's best gonna... critic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, take a Polaroid and ship it over Yeah. and go, yeah. what do you think? And no, like looking yeah, at the yeah, picture. Everything like, is so immediate now that instant. And, and there's like a myriad of carvers that would be more than willing to help out anybody that's that's getting into it or even as well established in it. Mm -hmm. It's competitive, you know, you guys are very competitive but also very helpful. And of course there's, you know, there's definitely the, you know, I guess the norm are, are you guys. You're very helpful. Want to help guys or gals, want to help anybody, want to be respectful want to do all that like there's no doubt like if somebody threw an email to any one of you guys and said hey you guys would help absolutely yeah, you know it happens a lot yeah, yeah. i mean and it's beside you know yeah the competitive stuff is there you know like you said you want to you go to win you know if if you if you don't do that like you're not trying to achieve you know your goals and you're trying not to be the best so you, you absolutely want to win but you know you're happy when somebody else wins. Not super happy, right? Like if Pat yeah. wins, you're like, yeah, great, great, Pat. Well, and I had a I had a young guy from New Zealand <laughs> send me an e email that uh, I watched your videos. I really appreciate it. Cool. You know, and I love that. And then I've got an 85 year old guy somewhere in Michigan or somewhere saying this has been really helpful. Awesome. So it doesn't have to be young people, sure. Either anybody that wants and to get involved and true, you know, we always we always go back and talk about like hunting, you know, and, and getting more hunting numbers and and hunter numbers and you know take kids take kids and they always you know for the longest time they were on the kick of just tell kids just take kids you know want to get kids in the sport. I mean, heck, take anybody that wants to go, yeah. you know, anybody that wants to carve, anybody that wants to hunt. Anybody that wants to train the dogs, like let's just go. Take like, a thirty-year-old because that's that's the well, age sure. I was when I started. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, don't don't discount anybody mm -hmm. if they want to get into it. You know, and you guys will help. Well, anybody will help. Waterfowl bunch is a is a is an interesting bunch. You know, most of the guys are here to help. Uh, the carving side is is good. The calling side's a little different. There's guys there to help. Uh, you just got to find the right people and don't get discouraged and look for some help. So, you know, uh, let's talk about like maybe hardest, I'll give you guys something to think about, like maybe hardest P 
piece to do. Uh, hardest decoy to carve, maybe your favorite, maybe something that stands out. Like, uh, how's that? Is that something you can answer? You want to go? I'll give it a shot. Yeah, go for it. Um, I think gadwalls are my favorite, and I've been successful with gadwalls. Shovelers, I've been successful with those. There are some birds, I don't know if you guys find the same thing, there are some birds that are more difficult for me for whatever reason. Um, what's your, what's difficult? Like, okay, we're at a championship level. Like, like you're, at, you're, you're at that level. What's really that hard? I, I think one of the toughest for me has been canvas backs because really? everybody knows or they think they know what a canvas back should look like. Okay. Uh, but there's interesting. A, after carving several of them, the first ones I ever did, I was never satisfied with them. And I couldn't, I couldn't even tell you why I didn't like them. But uh, after you invest in, and learn and study canvas backs, there are some very, very subtle things that you can do to a carving that either make it or break it for me on a canvas back. I would have never yeah, guessed canvas Yeah, it looks like a you. simple bird you know it's kind of three colors how how hard could that be yeah but, but it's the anatomy and i would have never thought canvas backs on on you because your canvas backs are pretty mind blowing glad you said that i, I can't i can't i'm serious i could that's like pat saying oh yeah the mallards that's <laughs> yeah, tough for me right. like you know Mallard, Mallard, kind of struggling mallard drake is not an easy bird to do. oh it's i'm not saying it is bird in the world but it's a yeah, but, but it's for one you, of the more challenging ones. Well, okay, so what? Go ahead. But I made a, a a lot of mallard hands that I thought turned out great. Right. But I haven't made a lot of mallard drakes that I really? thought were great. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that? You no, know, everybody answer. else might yeah. think, oh yeah, those look really nice. But you think that's your toughest bird? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that. No, no. But it is no, a tough I, bird. I get that. Yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah. What do you think it is? My toughest bird? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, it's a bird that probably, a, a duck that probably nobody would care to shoot, certainly not want to eat, the red-breasted merganser. Really? Yeah. That would be, okay. Yeah, that's a, um, to, and to me it's one of my favorite. Is it the anatomy or what do you, what do you think well, it is? Well, there's, that's, that's... um, if you want to do it at a high level, like I've done uh, several in the past at uh, the decorative level. To get uh, to create that crest. Well, I was just going to say it's the a, crest. A very, right? very high uh, level of uh, technical oh, level to, to accomplish that and make it effective. And uh, uh, but <clears throat> that bird has is such a dramatic bird too. Oh, it's yeah. it's yeah. like yeah. flare going yeah, on. Exactly, and the uh, the color scheme of the bird is great. Agreed. Um, you know, I like the hands of that species a lot too. You know, I've made a number of them, and uh, I I know they're always they're always a, a great challenge. But like, like I say, it's it's not a bird I go out and try to target to sure. hunt. It's just right. uh, just carving wise. Yeah, that's... and you'd probably never choose to do a red breast merganser for the final approach brand. <laughs> I did have somebody email me one time and ask for mergansers, so I'm not going to lie. Oh, they, yeah? they asked. And uh -huh. I was like, hooded or big old common sawbills or yeah. what? what, like, what <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, for sure you would sell one. Oh, 
right? Or one rig, man. Well, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. There's one, <laughs> one, there's one customer out there, buddy. <laughs> what about you, Wayne? What's the what's the the burr in your side? Like what what you know? Well, probably <laughs> a gadwall. Really? Yeah. And it's just I did a pair a number of years ago, and I remember finishing the painting, painting the Drake, and saying to my wife that. I don't think anybody is ever going to be able to afford for me to do another one. <laughs> but, and it's just with the paint scheme on it. And, right. and, and I mean, there's some guys that have really pulled some oh nice ones God. off. The gentleman at the other end of the table oh, is one yeah, of them. Pat, uh, Tom's nailed a few. Yeah. There's no doubt. And just the way the vermiculation and pattern yeah. all flow on it. Yeah. It's to get it to blend and that is, is really tough. I found when I touched one area of the bird with the paintbrush, I'd have to go and redo the whole bird. Then yeah. I'd come back and touch another area yeah, there it is. and have to go back and redo the whole bird. But the patterning on that is just wild. Uh, listen, there's lots going on. We, we've talked about this. Tom and I have gone through this. There is there is a lot going on. Yeah. And it's everybody's like, oh, just gray ducks. Like, it's just a couple no. colors. Like, there's so many shades and colors. And, like, you are, like, going bananas on this. Like, there's yeah. a lot of vermiculation. There's, yeah. yeah. I mean, and to pull that off on, on a bird like that is fantastic. And I mean, but to do to do a bird where you're going to be competing at the world level. Oh yeah. And I mean, we all saw saw the real thing in our hand the other day. Right. And that's pretty impressive. Pretty yeah. pretty complex bird. Yeah. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. What's your What's your favorite? What do you? Uh, Actually, probably a canvasback. Canvasback. Yeah. And it's just I've you know watched canvasbacks all my life. Right. Where remember. you're at. Right. And, and hunted uh, and. Uh, actually, I, I haven't. I hadn't shot a canvas back until about eight or nine years ago, I guess. But you've just seen them. I've seen them in the spring specifically, and you know, just I love the, you know, just the bull, bull oh, neck straight cans. It's the king. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about what's your favorite? I think Gadwalls. I've always had good. That's your uh, that's your spirit bird. Yeah, and I've always enjoyed hens in general. Yeah. I mean, like hen pintail and hen mallard. Oh yeah. Um, I, I would add one to the what's one of the most challenging. Yeah. I think the Drake Wood Duck is very challenging. Do you think the carving part or the painting part? Or uh, both? Primarily the painting. Definitely. To, to I mean, make that, and Pat has done an, an amazing job, to make that look not artificial, I think is the Cartoonish, main Cartoonish, I agree with yeah, you. The colors are so bold, you really have to be pretty subtle with there's what a, you're doing there's the fine line of bold and cartoonish exactly and i mean <laughs> and i mean hairline yep do you know what i mean like i know oh, exactly I know. Yeah. what you're talking about so yep. your favorite pat what is it uh favorite bird overall to carve well favorite my favorite duck probably overall pintail um i've done some Really complex designs with pintails, and uh, I, I know I've seen a preener with some feathers. That's pretty yeah. silly, like mind blowing. I've probably done maybe three or four different preener variations, and each one's different. different. And um, the one thing about a pintail, it's it's almost like um, an artist designed that bird. When you look at the lines on that bird, it's just uh, everything. Uh, you've got all these beautiful little curves and the color patterns. Uh, 
the the grace of the lines through the bird and then going up into the tail. Oh, there's um, no doubt. And from an artistic perspective, when you're making that bird, you have you have so much to work with. And uh, I've I've kind of in my mind I've kind of taken it to the limit uh, with everything that. I can do probably the most complex birds ever made have been pintails. Right. And, you know, uh, the the drake, of course, you know, I did a pair of pintails with the hen, and the hen was just as just as dramatic as the drake. Drake, right. Yeah, even though, you know, she's obviously a much different color scheme sure. on that bird. Um, it's, it, you probably could never find um, a bird watcher or a hunter that wouldn't, Absolutely love pintails. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's it's uh, it, it's not well compared to a mallard. It's not as abundant, or as, but mm-hmm. it, it's still uh, a highly highly desirable and sought after bird among hunters. My favorite. It is one hundred percent my favorite, and I will. And I'm fortunate enough to watch thousands out in Oregon and in the West, and I will literally sit there. I never shoot one in the morning ever. I will literally sit there and watch and watch and watch, and it is like, it's like shooting a, a 400 inch, you know, bull elk, and I'm just like, I'm gonna wait till I see the six inch tail yeah. that you poke your eye out, <laughs> and I'm literally gonna sit there and I mean we did it a couple of weeks ago at home, and we're I had two guys with me and we were watching, and I said don't don't shoot any pintails in the morning, I'm not gonna let you guys shoot at dark. Uh, and then when it gets lighter, we're just going to sit and we're going to watch. And I'm going to, I could measure them just by my eye and I'm just watching them and I'm going, all right, that's this one right here in this bunch. That's a good one. Like, let's go. So, I mean, the that's one on the, the left. I'm <laughs> telling you, that's the way to do it because we get some good ones out there and there's just no reason to shoot a young one. I want to shoot a big, mature, long tail. And it's like to me, like when you're describing like the lines and the, it's like a race car, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. a classic car and a race car together there's lines and sleek and everything about tuxedo it tuxedo and it, yeah. like dressed to go out at night right. like everything about it so it, it it's it's pretty cool so uh we're doing the fa podcast we're doing a bunch of stuff with the three carvers i got wayne and uh pat and tom and we're just kind of striking up conversations and going and and we're probably going to do a second version so or a second uh whole episode of it because we don't want to go too long so that's the first one and we'll just uh we'll end it right here and we'll uh we'll come back